Welcome to Horror Makes Us Happy, the podcast where we ask the question, what is it about horror that makes us happy? Your hosts are Steve Becker and myself, Chris Whitman, and you can find out more about us at our website, horrormakesushappy.com. Before we get started, this is the trigger warning. This is a horror podcast. We're going to be talking about messed up stuff. But in case you didn't know, we delve into things of the horror and macabre nature, so we could discuss topics that uh, may or may not be not suitable for children. Yeah, we'll go with that one. Triggers. Triggers. Yeah, we're going to be talking about some messed up stuff that could involve subjects, you know, like uh, murder, rape, child abuse. So if that's not your cup of tea, then GTFO or or think about it for a second and listen, because it is also interesting. It's fun in a <laughs> messed up way. <laughs> <laughs> Caveat that. <laughs> Caveat that. Uh, all right. Now, with that out of the way, uh, coming up, we're going to be speaking with president of Rue Morgue website, Rodrigo Godinho, uh, staff writer for Dread Central, Tyler Dupay, and Twitch streamer, Harry Horror. But for today, we have the company of Mr. Eduardo Sanchez, director, producer of certain works such as um, this thing called The Blair Witch Project. You might have heard of it. Uh, segment in VHS 2. Uh, what was it? A walk in the park, you said? Uh, a ride. Uh, I think it was a ride in the park. But a, a walk in the, in the park. park sounds good, too. And a ride is better. He did ride the, the zombie park one. You know which one I'm talking about. And exists, which was awesome. Welcome. Welcome hey, to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Our pleasure. Uh, I don't know how much it's we we've gone back and forth a few times with the conversation, so I don't remember how much we've uh, told you about the theme of the podcast. But basically, what we do is we ask a bunch of questions about your childhood, teenage years, and adulthood, and try to figure out what it is about horror that you, as a person, individually uh, appreciate and love. So, starting with childhood, what are some of your earliest memories of scary things? Well. My, we, you know, we came from Cuba. I, I got to the country when I was like five years old. And my mom was very protective, especially, you know, being in a foreign country. I think she kind of, um, um, you know, just worried about everything that she, you know, she didn't know the language. My, you know, my father didn't know the language. So I think she went into like overprotective mode. So was kind of like instilled this fear of like in me that like I could get abducted at any at any minute. So like my early childhood kind of fears are just about being alone, um, you know, especially in public. Like I would get sometimes <laughs> I would get lost in Kmart, you know, I would go out to the toy section and I couldn't find my mom and I would just start like yeah. sobbing. Those, so those are my earliest memories of like fear. And then um, my mom uh, was, you know, also my parents were very uh, religious and um I remember we watched The Exorcist. Uh, like this was like, the, I guess probably the first time The Exorcist had been on TV. I don't know if it was like the late seventies, but I remember being so young that um, that I was sitting on my mom's lap. But it, it was like a family affair, man. Like everybody mm-hmm. came to the house, and so like for us, it was like you know the way The Exorcist was set up was that this is this is real. Like if you, you know, cause you know, obviously if you believe in Jesus and you believe in all that stuff, then you have to believe in Satan. And the idea that there's like this evil entity out there trying to get you, is just, you know, really scary for kids. And I think that's what, why the exorcist is so scary to so many people. So for me, it was like the exorcist was treated more as a documentary than as a, you know, narrative film. Mm-hmm. So I remember that scaring the hell out of me. And then I just never, I mostly shied away from like slasher movies, but I remember I went to see Friday the 13th in 3D, which is like probably the first Friday the 13th movie I saw in the theater. 
it was just not a good experience for me. I just did not like it. I just, you know, it was like, I, there's still a lot of like imagery from that movie that um, it definitely like, you know, stayed with me. And um, so I, you know, I, I mostly just shied away from horror movies. Like I liked, you know, I loved the shining and kind of the classics. Like I remember watching Amityville horror. That was kind of a fun, scary movie. So I liked horror movies, you know, like jaws, which you know, I guess you could call a horror movie, you know, one of my favorite films, the changeling was an early movie that I really loved. But yeah, mostly as a kid, you know, scared of, um, you know, the basic things. I was scared of Bigfoot. Bigfoot scared the crap out of me when I was little. Um, I thought okay. that he was going to be coming in. We had some like like a little strip of woods behind my apartment complex. And mm-hmm. I was sure that Bigfoot, you know, lived back there. So uh, that was very. He was terrible. very popular in the 70s or 80s. Oh, yeah. Well, Bigfoot. Bigfoot was yeah. like 70s. Like, you know, uh Patterson Gimlin was like the like 1967, I think, you know, the Bigfoot walking across the the famous, you know, footage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess it was like the first time that it was like that, you know, really like the first found footage piece of film, you know, and I'm sure there's stuff earlier than that. But something where like, like unless you believe it's a real Bigfoot, which, you know, again, like there's this I love that piece of footage because like it really does look really genuine. You know what I mean? Like it does not look like somebody in a suit, like, especially for that, you know, the, the 60s. Yeah, I was going to say, especially for that, that era, you know, we didn't yeah, have like now CGI you're like, okay, if you show that Now you're like, okay, there's CG, there's all kinds of things you can do, but that suit looked pretty damn good, man. And knowing, you know, cause I did exist and we spent a ton of money on our suit, you know, it looked, it looked really great, but we spent, you know, over, over a hundred thousand dollars on that suit. All, you know, all <laughs> said, and done so i you know i was like man that's a damn impressive suit um but anyway just that footage it was it was like the first time that like something fantastical like that had been like you know it, it was t- we were told that it was real you know mm-hmm. what i mean like we were told that oh this is this, this you know these guys got this footage of this creature and it just like freaked me out but it also like kind of blew my mind you know so i was like got into like ufos and you know anything like ghosts i I was a big fan of that show in search of Mm -hmm. when i was a kid though it you know would routinely scare the crap out of me there was this like level of interest so i guess that i guess that those are the kinds of things that really um you know scared me as a kid it's funny that you mentioned um that clip about bigfoot potentially being the first found footage i'd never really thought about that yeah and I started thinking about what else there might be, but like even the Loch Ness monster thing, that was just one or two pictures. I think. I mean, it's um, typically so yeah, as as- known in the horror community, or like most people think that uh, Cannibal Holocaust can be thought of as the first found footage. But you're right, Bigfoot would predate well, that. Well, but he's talking about so like Cannibal Holocaust would be a feature film. What mm-hmm. he's talking about isn't even a feature; it's just a quick clip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's it's kind of like that. It was the like. It was the first time, at least, that I that I knew that like something was put out there and not said, "Oh no, it's fake," or "No, it's you know." Like they were just like, "No, it really happened," and they never, you know. I mean, I know that later on, people said came out and said, "Oh, I was the guy in the suit," or whatever. I'm not. I don't really keep up with that, like the you know authenticity or whatever. But at that point, when I saw it, you know, in the early '70s, to me, that was like, okay, that's real footage. Mm-hmm. they're interviewing the guys who did it, who, 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 you know, who, you know, who filmed it. Like, this is real. This is like a documentary. This is like a news program. Mm. And I think that's where like the early kind of 
uh, seeds of Blair Witch were born, you know? And then, I was just going to say and then, that. you know, Dan, the guy I wrote, you know, Dan Myrick, I wrote the movie with and I came up with the idea with, he, he felt the same way, like that Patterson Gimlet was like the, the triggering mechanism for a lot of that. I was thinking as we were talking about all this that I do find it amusing that someone who actually was afraid of Bigfoot in your childhood then was the one <laughs> that got in, involved with Blair Witch. So there's definitely some uh, pulling from experience, shall we say? Oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I knew what, you know, scared me, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, the, 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 you know, that kind of footage and then also just the idea of camping, you know, camping like, at night you're like it's all fun and stuff and then once you go to sleep you start hearing things and Mm -hmm. so just the fear of the woods you know Mm -hmm. and i can also relate about you know like i don't consider myself a horror fan either there have been things that i have enjoyed and appreciated throughout the years uh that have been in the horror genre but um I, i personally wouldn't consider myself a fan which is part of the reason that i you know chris and i uh uh, partner on this because i bring the psychology side and he's got the horror side much better than i do um i i did find some stuff in my adult years that i think has turned me into a particular direction of a certain subgenre. but uh this call is about you not me so we'll put that to the side <laughs> um you mentioned uh, a a bunch of your family came over to watch the exorcist with you guys were were other people in your family horror fans or were they coming it over coming over for the documentary part of it? My dad was the only person that I would say was a, was a movie fan in my family. And like, mm-hmm. he really loved movies. Like he would take me to, and he, and he didn't speak English. So he would take, there was a, a theater in the area. I grew up in there above a little bit above DC in Tacoma park. And there was a, a theater called the Ontario that played like Spanish dub movies on the weekends, you know, special showings or whatever. So he would go, you know, whatever the, whatever the movie was dubbed in Spanish, he would go see it. So we watched a lot of weird movies. Um, that was also kind of, um, you know, a lot of rated R movies, a lot of movies that probably I shouldn't seen as a kid, but he just loved going to the movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but he loved movies that he, he didn't really like horror movies and he still to this day doesn't like horror movies. He likes more like action movies. Like he loved, James Bond, him and I would go <laughs> see all the James Bond movies together and, um, and, and, you know, wait for them at, uh, when they would show on, you know, on, the, on the TV, that was a big event. Like, oh, the James Bond, man, he wouldn't call, he would call it El Hombre, El Hombre Fantastico because he, you know, he didn't, uh, <laughs> so he was the fantastic man because, you know, he was always like getting out of all these crazy situations, but he loved it. And he kind of instilled this, uh, the love of, uh, of, of action and then also comedy. He loved comedy, like especially slapstick comedy. Like mm-hmm. he loved like airplane and naked gun, even though he didn't really quite understand everything that was going on. Uh, he, you know, him and I used to watch the Benny Hill show together. So, you know, it was that kind of, uh, but he, but he was the only one that really was like a kind of a movie fan in my family. Um, but not a horror fan. No, not at all. Okay. That's fine. It, not every question is going to hit. You never know. That's why you just gotta, we gotta go through them. Sure. Um, let's see. Did you participate in Halloween as a kid? Um, yeah, I did. It, you know, it wasn't like as big a deal as it is now, you know, like now it's like this big commercial thing. And I mean, sure it was commercial right. back then also, but it was just kind of goofy. And I was always unhappy with my costumes, you know, <laughs> because like the costumes back then, like, were not like, you really didn't, you didn't really like, 
dress up like Darth Vader. You dressed up in a Darth Vader mask and then a, an outfit with Darth Vader on the on the front of it. Like it wasn't like mm-hmm. an authentic costume. And the same thing with right. Evil Knievel. And mm-hmm. they, they, they just had these, the costumes were horrible. So I was like longing for like, if I want to dress up like Darth Vader, I want to ha- I want to look like Darth Vader. I don't want to have a picture of Darth Vader on my chest. You know, it's ridiculous. <laughs> we were just talking about this the last podcast we did earlier today. It's funny. This we got to start a tally of how often those Ben Cooper costumes come up. And I pointed that out. I was like, "Why do you need a picture on the shirt of the same thing that's the mask?" And Steve, of course, explained, "Well, it's because they know that the masks are so uncomfortable, the kids are going to take them off, so they want to put the product somewhere." <laughs> Right. Yeah, I guess so. But it's still like, you you know, like for me as a kid, um, like if there was if somebody had sold like a true Darth Vader costume or a true like, you know, X-Wing pilot Mm -hmm. or like evil Knievel or anything like that, which I was like into at the day or, you know, I that's what I would have loved. But yeah, it was just terrible. Like even like Superman was like basically Superman with a with a cartoon of Superman on the front on the chest. It's like what? Superman doesn't have a freaking cartoon of himself. <laughs> yes. right. So it was just very a, fr- a frustrating time as a kid. Did you have any scary dreams when you were a kid? All the time. Mm-hmm. Probably the scariest dream I ever had as a kid. Well, I still remember one kid, one dream where I was I had been abducted. Again, you know, my mom had been like planting these things in my head. Right. It was basically I was in the in the in the uh, back area, the back parking lot of my apartment complex, and this van pulled up, and the you know the door slid open, and somebody grabbed me, and it's all I remember of the dream. But it was like so, you know, just really horrifying, and I and I still rem- remember it to this day. And then in my teenage years, I had a dream about like what I understood would to, would to be Satan, like Satan was in my room. Um, and it's, you know, usually it was just basically like this dark shadow. I remember having the dream and then waking up and not being able to move for like an hour, you know, just mm-hmm. pure, like I couldn't move my body. I mean, I could, but I was just like, and then I got finally got enough, you know, just got tired of laying there and I was just, I just got up and ran to my mom's room and, um, uh, you know, it's middle of the night. So those, you know, but I would dream all the time of um, Bigfoot dreams and sometimes, uh, you know, like a UFO dream and uh, just kind of certain things like that of like uh, people talking to me that, oh, I'd seen Bigfoot the night before. And so, yeah, it was, you know, as a kid, I think yeah, as a kid, I had a lot of, you know, kind of bad dreams. Um, was there ever a time when you're actually terrified of something as a child in real life? Um, no, no, I had, I had, I mean, we, we lived in a neighborhood that was not a great neighborhood. Like we had a lot of, um, uh, you know, police would come and fire trucks and, you know, there was just a lot of activity in, in my, in my neighborhood, but I, I never saw like any kind of shooting or anybody. I saw the aftermath of somebody get stabbed. Like we saw the blood trail of somebody who got stabbed the night before. But no, I was no, I was, you know, I was fairly lucky. Um, Let me flip the question, ask it a different way. Was there uh, a time in your childhood when you felt completely calm or safe or at bliss? I guess Christmas, Christmas was always a good time. Um, you know, my, they grew my mom and dad grew up really poor. And I think like a lot of immigrants or a lot of people who grew up poor, they, you know, when they have an opportunity to give their kids something, they, go crazy and they go probably give them too much. 
So I would get, I mean, I would get so much stuff for Christmas. I mean, compared to my friends and stuff, I would just get twice the amount of stuff. So Christmas, you know, like most kids, I mean, you know, going to sleep Christmas night, you know, that's, it's this, you know, there's this magic. Um, and my, my birthday is five days before Christmas. So like mm. by the time, you know, the end of no, like around this time, like the end of October, early November, I started counting down the days until my birthday <laughs> and Christmas, you know, because I knew that I was getting stuff. Oh, so you did uh, get separates? Because I know a lot of parents do the whole like, oh, your birthday no, is so no, close to Christmas. Would, that's the thing. I would get separates. I mean, my nice. mom was very cool about that. I never had. I mean, sometimes, yeah, people would get me something and it was like, you know, for both Christmas and birthday. But my mom was my parents were definitely cool about, you know, separating out the gifts and, and making sure you got, you know, two different gifts. That is good. But, I, you know, my my, <clears throat> my parents for being, you know, pretty undereducated you know, coming from, you know, very poor conditions in Cuba and fleeing Cuba, like basically not escaping, but like just kind of leaving everything behind, you know, leaving with nothing. Mm -hmm. My parents somehow figured it out and, and we're, were able to kind of give us a pretty stable, you know, me and my two sisters, a pretty stable um, childhood. That's good. Yeah, like it is good. Saying, not everybody gets that. No, so absolutely. Being able to have it. Mm -hmm. That is not uncommon, like you say, for... um parents to want their kids to have uh you know better than they had yeah absolutely so moving into teenage years you mentioned um you had that dream about um satan and be being in your room you also mentioned that you weren't exactly a, a huge horror fan uh, until your later years but was there anything that stood out to you in your teen years that you remember being impactful um from the horror genre um again friday the 13th part three which was you know Again, like the only uh, Friday Thirteenth movie that I went to the theater with, and that, and I went, I went because my cousins were going, and I was like, all right, I'll go with you guys. And but it was not the, that was not the kind of movie that I watched as a you know growing up. Um, do I watch pretty much everything else? You know, for for me, the 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 uh, the, the kind of the staying away from horror was uh, the the problem with me, man, is that I would like like especially the Bigfoot stuff. I would like get uh it would it would it would basically ruin me for for months at a time like i would watch like i remember i watched after the exorcist i was just like scared you know i was in this perpetual state of fear for a while and the same thing when i watched i don't know what bigfoot thing i watched whether it was the in search of episode because there was a lot like a lot of bigfoot kind of documentaries and like specials when i was growing up because you know he was like a hot creature so there was a lot of stuff. There's stuff, you know, doc, little documentaries about Bigfoot in Maryland where I grew up and that really scared the crap out of me. So, but it would, these things would like um, kind of leave their mark for like long periods of time. And like, to, like I remember like uh, being scared to uh, wash my face in the shower because I had to close my eyes <laughs> or, you know, because of the soap. And I remember like getting to the point where like, All right, I got to wash my face or my hair or whatever. And then just like barely keeping my eyes closed and like for a split for, you know, a couple of seconds and then opening them again, because I thought that we had a, in the shower in our apartment, we had like a little window, like, a, mm. you know, and I, and it was really high. I mean, it was like probably 12 feet up off the ground. So it wasn't like anybody was going to look through, but I was sure that one day I was going to come out of my, you know, washing my hair or washing my face, open my eyes 
and Bigfoot was going to be there sitting, you know, staring at me or, or like an, <laughs> a, or an alien, like a gray or something was going to be there. So these things like really, really, um, you know, affected me. So um, I just basically shied away mostly from horror films. And again, like until, until I got into college and I met this guy named Neil Fredericks, who was, um, he ended up being my DP for a long time. And then he's um, sadly passed away you know, like 15 years ago, like a, long, a while ago. But he, he was a really big horror guy. And he was the first kind of horror geek that I, that I met. And he introduced me to a lot of the, the classic kind of, uh, you know, horror movies and, and a lot of the, the stuff that was popular. Like, like when we were in college, like trauma was like huge, yeah. you know, uh, toxic Avenger, even though, you know, it's not really horror, but yeah. you know, he introduced me to like the, was it like the full moon movies and mm-hmm. puppet master and, uh, the Hellraiser, And he like, you know, so he, I watched a lot of movies through him and I, you know, and it, it was good that I had, you know, it was cool that I had a companion. I guess it was, it, it was easier to watch movies with somebody else than by myself. So, mm-hmm. but, but again, I, I just didn't, you know, like I, I don't know if I was, I had a kind of had an attitude towards horror and I think it was because I just was so afraid of it. You know, like it wasn't fun for me to watch horror movies that were mm-hmm. effective and even, and the violence really like, I don't like violent movies, especially when like your people are like the characters are having fun with violence. Like it just doesn't, you know, it's just, it just bugs the hell out of me. It's just like, a, I, I just shy away from that kind of stuff. So that's mm-hmm. the, uh, a lot of the movies kind of cross that line for me and I just don't enjoy them once mm-hmm. they do that. So anyway, no, I'm with you. I, I refuse to watch the saw movies or hostile. Like I, I just don't need to put that in my brain or, or, and now I'm sh- I know that there are people who like that, but I just, I don't need it. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's, um, you know, yeah. And, and again, it's like that, it's just a, t- it's just taste, you know, some people love that stuff. You're right. And, and, uh, but I just kind of don't, uh, don't appreciate yeah. it. Uh, so teenager, uh, Halloween as a teenager, did you participate? Um, not as much. The, I don't remember again, like uh, the, the, the people, that I hung out with um, in high school were not like big uh, horror guys that they, we just, I don't think we ever went out on Halloween. I mean, maybe a Halloween just to like be, you know, hoodlums and like steal mm-hmm. pumpkins and stuff. I mean, I remember doing that just kind of being idiots like that. But uh, as far as like the night, I think the last time I went trick or treating, I went with a friend and um, he pretended to be blind and to get more candy and point, <laughs> after that night i was like i'm i think i'm done with trick-or-treating <laughs> right? like it wasn't like turned off from trick-or-treating because you got too old you're just like eh, this is i don't like people taking advantage of this, this yeah i just i was just like you know this is it i mean you know i'm done with this it's too what much are we doing here exactly i'll just go you know get get a bag of it you know it's like um, <laughs> uh and most and that also just laziness also you know just uh but, um, but no, I don't remember. I don't, I don't really love, I didn't like Halloween until like I had kids mm-hmm. and my wife, like I never, you know, I mean, we're from Cuba, man. Like, you know, we don't do Halloween you don't do Halloween in Cuba. Like, uh, at least we, you know, when, when my parents were kids. So like the first time I, you know, carved the jack-o'-lantern was with my wife. 
Hmm. So I had no, there's none of that Halloween tradition or like decorating the house. Cause I mean, cause you have to remember that like Halloween to like the super Christians is a totally pagan and like, right. it is, yeah. it's a dangerous, um, you know, holiday. If anything, you have all Hallows Eve and that's just more revered. Yeah. There weren't any Halloween doc- decorations in my house or, and my mom, you know, she let me dress up as, you know, Evil Knievel. And I don't know who else I dressed up as, like maybe Darth Vader I had one year. But I don't think she would have gone. I don't, I don't think she would have been too happy if I would have been like, I want to dress like a werewolf or like a, something, re- you know, something horrific like that, a zombie or something. Mm. I think she would have probably talked me out of that. <laughs> or not bu- or not bought me the costume. Right, right. Sometimes the Halloween questions can be interesting to hear what people have to say because, uh, well, even in America, I mean, there are certain people who were raised in certain religions, for example, that don't refuse to celebrate holidays. So it's always interesting to hear what people's individuals' experiences were. Mm-hmm. Did you um, did you ever have a, have a time in your teenage years where you were actually terrified of something in real life? My friend Lonnie had this pickup truck and we, you know, back in the day, of course, everybody would sit in the back of the bed and we, w- we would go to these fields and just do donuts and shit, you know, <laughs> basic bullshit, you know, just bored teenagers, you know, without girlfriends. That's important, too. Mm-hmm. And we went to this field. That was, it was like an air park where, like, you know, this, the county had, like, set up so that you could fly your toy plane it was just like it was like a little air like a little park and but it had like really high grass and i remember lonnie in the middle of you know night we'd like go in there you're not supposed to be in there at night anyway but we'd go in in this field and you couldn't see what was in front of the car you know what i mean like that kind of situation where like the grass is so high that the headlights are just hitting and you're just kind of making your way through this field and he was like flying you know and then we're all in the back and jumping around and I don't know whose I don't know whose idea it was to just say like just stops let's see where we are you know so he stops and we get out we all get out of the truck and we walk to the you know around and we walk to the front of the thing and literally like maybe ten feet in front of the truck was like this thirty foot drop off so we would have all died like I would have been thrown. I was in the back of the truck and the, and Alani and the guys inside would have been killed too I mean that car would have hit right into the dirt at you know 50 miles an hour or whatever like it would have right so we we all just stood there staring down death like we we were literally like it's you know 10 feet away from that pickup truck going over the edge of that hill and like create and just destroying our lives like if not death we would have been it would have been bad mm-hmm. uh so yeah. that was and that really kind of you know calmed us down and was like we should go home and you know you learn things man and i and i think at, at that point from that point on you know we were more careful you know we we're like we got you know so it was at least a a, a lesson for us you know it's like we went out and started yeah. doing the same thing like we definitely a lesson but that was i just remember like riding home and just being like holy like just think going over the the possibilities of what how that night could have ended you know yeah yeah yeah, it really it's, messes uh, with you when you have like a near death experience like that. Just just the after effects, because obviously you don't think about it during because everything happens too fast. But yes. Yeah. At, afterwards, you're like, I could have died. Yeah, but I just remember like looking over and, and just be this terrified, like just ima- you know imagining in my mind's eye, like what would I have done? I would have mm-hmm. flown out of that, and I, I probably wouldn't have gotten hit by the truck. But I would have. It would have been like jumping off a thirty foot 
cliff at like 40 miles an hour. Like you would have mm-hmm. like a, almost like, like a mini Thelma and Louise. I mean, that would have been not good. You know, I, I, yeah. I just, so I think that, um, that, that experience just, I just remember just everybody looking over the edge and just being quiet for like 10 seconds. Like, yeah. holy shit, you know? So yeah, man, it's uh, it's crazy. It's a kind of survivorship bias uh, thing here, you know, kind of saying it joke, jokingly of you either learn or you don't. Um, Cause there are a lot of people who don't survive it. Um, you know, they, they either, you know, they're in a, position where either they didn't stop or they didn't stop soon enough. Yeah. Um, and then they don't make it. And the ones that, that get to learn those lessons and or survive, uh, you know, they're the ones that get to keep on leave living and telling other people, you know? Yeah. And, and luckily we learned, you know, because like there's a lot of other things that we didn't really learn in high school. Um, but we definitely, I think, I think after that it was a very, you know, we kind of, you know, we tapered down that kind of activity. Mm. Um, so we were still knuckleheads, but we just realized like <laughs> we almost died last weekend. Like maybe we should take it easy. Let's, yeah. Let's calm down for a little bit. Like a week. Uh, yeah. Uh, in your teens, was there any, was there ever a time in your teens when you felt completely calm or safe or at bliss? I was always interested in films. You know, my dad, you know, like, instilled this love of cinema not in a like you know it's not like we he was very sophisticated but he he loved movies and i loved movies with him you know like i learned to love movies with him and um uh but you know now but you know and i watched star wars i love star wars i you know read everything about like making you know making of star wars the special effects you know any movie that came out you know science fiction movie after that i would watch like you know and it, it it was the first movie that made me interested in how they made movies you know so it made me aware that you know there was a writer and you know there's there are directors and there's you know cinematographers even though i don't didn't quite understand everything but it made me aware, like, oh, this is how you do it. You, you know, have lights, and you have a camera, you build a set, you know, uh, you hang the ships, you know, green screen, you know, you learn all those things. And I was just fascinated by it. And then in 11th grade, they offered a TV production class mm. in my high school as, you know, kind of like I, I, got, I, t- I got my friend Rick Marino. I'm like, hey, you want to, let's take this class, man. It looks like fun. You know, maybe make some videos or whatever. So the moment of bliss for me was like when, you know, on the first day of that class, I remember where I was sitting. I remember like the teacher, Mr. Barron, he was, and he, and he wasn't even a TV production teacher. He had just, he had worked at a TV station for a little while in his youth and they made him the TV production teacher. And he knew, you know, the basics. He's qualified. We had a, yeah, he, but we had a little TV studio in our, in our high school, like, cause the, the, the school had just been remodeled and we were like, it was like the only TV studio in the, in a high school in the county, which was like super lucky for me, you know what I'm saying? That I was able to start in high school. So I remember like the first day there, Mr. Barron comes out and tells his story, you know, tells, you know, tells us like, this isn't just like making goofy movies and, you know, making, you know, goofing around. There's, you know, you can have a career in this. Like there's yeah. not just Steven Spielberg and George Lucas aren't the only people that work in films. Like there's also, you know, pe- there's hundreds and thousands, you know, people that have to like work on sets to, you know, the, in every aspect, you know, of production. So it's not just like this kind of pie in the sky thing. There's actually a career here. 
you know, like right. it's a career path. And from that moment, the clarity of like where I was heading in my life, all of a sudden I real I knew what I, where I was going. Like I knew that I was going to be a filmmaker and I knew that I was going to, you know, I was ready for the struggle and I was just, I knew exactly what I was going to do. So that moment of bliss, you know, other than like when my kids were, you know, uh, were born, mm-hmm. you know, that's very few times that I've felt that even with all the success of Blair Witch and stuff, like there was always this moment, there's always this level of like nervousness to it. Like this kind of like, we're like on this grand stage and I've always felt uncomfortable when like put on in the spotlight. But that moment was like a moment where I was like, you know, at my young, you know, I was probably mm-hmm. 17 because or whatever. Because you hadn't been put in a spotlight yet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was enjoying all the hope. Yeah. This is, I finally got my direction, man. And I, and I feel so lucky for that because, you know, a lot of, most people don't have that, you know, clarity of like what they want to do for the rest of their lives. Uh, let's jump down to adult years then. So um, you mentioned turning into a bit of a horror fan after Blair Witch. Um, what would you say if you were to pick like the top three influential things that you could think of in the horror genre? You know, what would be the first things that come to mind for you in your adult years? As far as films are concerned, or books? Movies well, I mean, commu- the book Communion. For some reason, and now I'm like looking back, I'm like because this is the first time I've actually thought about it, but I did go through a phase where I was reading horror novels and, and scaring the bejesus out of myself. <laughs> okay. I remember like I would only read when, cause you know, this was like the days when you were like, literally like, we had mattresses on the floor. That was our room. And we, we were, mm-hmm. uh, I was sharing a little house with four, with three other guys. And I shared a house actually with Neil, the guy I mentioned before he, we went to, uh, to, he went to school. He didn't go to school with me, but he was he was my roommate during school um, when I went to film school. And I remember I would only read when he was in the room because I could not. I mean, and communion yeah. to me, Emily Vahara scared the crap out of me, but communion really, really impacted me. And again, like I, I gravitated toward these stories that had like some kind of validity. You know what I'm saying? Like Emily Vahara was supposed to be a true story. And Communion was supposed to be a true story. You know what I mean? Even like, you know, Whitley Stryver to this day says that he, that actually happened to him. You know, like that was a real, you know, that was a somebody being abducted by aliens. You know what I'm saying? That was a real, tr- you know, to me, it was like a true story, you know, um, whether you believe it or not, you know, it, it, you know, it's, it's irrelevant, irrelevant, but that really, you know, just scared me and like kind of uh, influenced me again, like kind of brought fear back into my, it kind of brought that fear back into my life like that I hadn't let in for a long time. But influential movies for me, horror movies, I mean, Jaws, you know, is like the monster, like a perfect monster movie, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm, uh, Evil Dead 2. Yep. Not a good one. The comp, just like, I'd never seen that style and I, and I still love it. To, I st- it's still my favorite form of horror, like the kind of comedic over the top. Um, I just did a short film that kind of was, is very kind of, is kind of evil deadish a little bit. Um, it's comedy, horror comedy. And I just love that, you know, that subgenre of horror. Oh yeah. Uh, I guess horror movies from that era. And then, you know, the, the thing mm-hmm. just, I love John Carpenter as a kid. Like I loved, um, though I shied away from his horror movies. I, I really did. Like I loved escape from New York. I loved, you know, Christine. I loved even, you know, cause it wasn't like super scary. You know what I mean? It was more like, 
just such a cool film. I, I remember watching that in the theater like three or four times. It's, and Escape from New York, of course, was like my, my all-time favorite, I think, oh, John yeah. Carpenter movie as a kid. Like just, I remember when it came out on mm-hmm. video, I was like, oh, I can watch it at home, you know? Because I mean, <laughs> for, for most of my childhood, you know, you couldn't see movies unless you went to the theater or they showed them on, when they showed them on TV. So yeah. or if you were lucky to have, you know, a friend with HBO, you know, you could, you could watch movies on HBO or whatever. But, you know, there was no videos, no home video. You know, when, if you if you missed a movie at the theater, you were kind of you never you would you, sometimes you would never see it again. You know, that's it. That's your chance to see it. I think those films, and then you know, um, it's and it's not really a horror movie, but I like I loved uh, Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula. Mm-hmm. I guess it had some horrific. You know, I guess you could categorize it as a horror movie, but it was a rom horror. Yeah, yeah, romantic horror. You know, yeah, romantic. Yeah, for sure. And that's what, I, and that's, and that's again, like what I love about horror, man, is that there's, there's so many subgenres in horror, you know, like, mm-hmm. um, especially, you know, like, and, and so, it, so it, it's cool to be stuck in horror because you're like, well, I could do, there's so many different kinds of movies I can make within the horror, you know, genre that you see, so you, you know, you never get bored. Even if you had, if you had to stay in the horror genre, you know, for the rest of my career, you, you just feel like, you don't you know, you, I would never get bored. There's always new things to do. True. Uh, going back to, for, uh, Coppola's Dracula for a moment, you said that you really liked that, but didn't expand on that too much. What did you like about that one? Uh, you know, I mean, you know, Gary Oldman, of course. Um, yes. Just the, the production design, um, the effects, like just, the the way that they you know they tried to do everything in camera um uh you know it, it just felt like the 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 different time periods the you know just it, just the you know the costuming the 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 score is one of my favorites some more from an auteur perspective yeah from like a like cuz you know I watched it once I was like I don't I guess what when did Bram Stoker when did that come out in the 90s I want to say 90s yeah so I was already in film school, so I was already kind of in that, you know, mode. And it was just one of these things where you're like, you know, that's a true master. Like there's very few films where you like, you know, just blow you away in that way where like you're, you know, creatively writing, you know, cinematography, acting, the, you know, costume design, the music, the sound design, like everything came together. In such a unique way, you know what I'm saying? It, 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 it was like, it felt like a, it was a new movie, but it felt like an old movie. And that's what I really appreciated about it. You mm-hmm. know? They went all in on all levels. Yeah, man. And, and, you know, and that's one of the, and it's, it was one of those things where like, you know, I was obviously a fan of Francis Ford Coppola, but like, you don't, you didn't expect that movie from him, you know? No, no, especially not with his other works, but it's still great. Oh, it's great. I, I mean, and then again, Gary Oldman is great in everything, but everything just i don't know what he turned i don't know what how he did that movie like what he does but, you know anyway but yeah that that movie i love that movie but i'm you know I, I mean and and now it's like there's you know i feel like finally now horror is getting like the respect it deserves you know what i mean oh, yeah like i feel that there's gonna be a resurgence yeah there's already a res- i mean it, you know we're in the middle of a resurgence yeah we're in the middle of it yes. like and, and also like i think and the whole idea of like resurgence of horror like horror has always been popular you know what i mean like you had to kind of dig down and but it's with a segment of like the true horror fans we've always been. sorry i meant more like mainstream resurgence. yeah exactly yeah, yeah it's yeah. making yeah fi- yeah yeah and it comes back every few years and 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 kind of breaks through into the mainstream 
But I think, you know, there's just better and better horror films being made now um, than ever. I think hopefully, you know, it, it'll lead to more, you know, respect for the, for the people because you know it's 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 not un, it's not beneath any other genre no you know maybe at one time it was but not not anymore you know what i'm saying so right yeah i think the biggest reason that it's it's even seen that way is because of misunderstanding from you know the mainstream world about horror fans which is part of the reason that we're doing this podcast is to you know, to dig into the reasons why horror fans love horror, to be able to, to say, you know, these aren't crazy people. There's reasons they like, they like this stuff. I think the, the, the biggest uh, disservice is that, you know, the assumption that all horror fans are, you know, latent uh, psychopaths that, you know, which is not true. And not, that's not to say that there aren't psychopaths who are fans of horror because sure, I'm sure there are, but that's not the case for all of them. And, yeah. you know, having a, a moment to step back and really take a, a, a good look at things and, and understand what's going on is I think valuable, not only to the horror community, but to the rest of the world as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah I mean, I, I think that like, it definitely is like a, you know, there's like a, you know, deeper psychological reason why people like horror movies or certain people like horror movies but also just humans in general you know why roller coasters are popular and why haunted houses are popular and movies you know horror movies that are basically about human suffering and humans going through horrible things you know there's a certain it's the same reason why like you know you stop at a at an accident you mm-hmm. know, to gawk at an accident like there is and you know or boxing and the gladiators like there is a level of there is a certain part of humanity, you know, of our human uh, psyche that likes to see that. I don't know if likes is a, is the correct word, but is attracted to, is is drawn to, is drawn to violence and drawn to other people's plights. I think the, the sort of analogy that I'm coming to is that there seems to be, and not only in horror, but it, across the board for humanity, there there seems to be like three sort of tiers of enjoyment. The first tier is, you know, I kind of like this, uh, but, you know, it's take it or leave it, but, you know, it's all right. And then the second tier is the excitement, like you're talking about there are people who like to go on, uh, you know, roller coaster rides and some people like, you know, in this case, horror or sports or whatever. There's the people who get excited of yeah, this is awesome. And then the third tier is the, the one that makes you go, okay, you're a little weird. Like you're enjoying this a little too much, like mm-hmm. almost, uh, you know, I don't want to say sexual pleasure, but bordering on that kind of thing. And I think that, that, like I say, this is true for all of humanity. And it's just a matter of what it, is that you're what what topic are we talking about that there are certain people who who get the first or second tiers of enjoyment out of a lot of different things um and that i think the problem is that there are people who particularly with the horror uh genre seem to miscategorize a lot of the people who are in the first and second categories and thinking that they're in the third one when that's not necessarily the case yes yeah yeah yeah, yeah. well and also and also you know the horror community is like none other on the planet, you know, other than maybe I guess Star Trek has a certain kind of a community, you know, around it, but like horror in general, like, 
not to generalize, but I mean, you know, there are a lot of, there are a lot of, you know, I mean, I consider myself a geek and I consider myself as weird as they come, but there are a lot of weird people in that I meet, you know, in horror festivals, especially, and, you know, just kind of that, you know, and a lot of, you know, unfortunately, a lot of socially awkward people. And, you know, and I feel I was like, just going to say, it depends on what you mean by weird. Yeah. Like, a lot, like, it's not the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like a lot of, you know, socially awkward people who like, you can tell, you know, who don't have, they don't have like a normal life. You know, so a lot of them don't have mates and, you know, whatever, I'm not going to get into that, but the horror, co- there is a community in the horror world that, you know, is just, I feel like that's the, the, the biggest draw to like, people who like you know it's like you're 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 just loving something that everybody that other people love and you're not a weirdo when you go to you know i just went to fantastic fest you know and it's all a bunch of weirdos but it's all we're all accepting of each other and we all love right kind of doing this thing you know what i'm saying there's a phrase in common to you know science that you know correlation is not causation Mm -hmm. and i think what you just pointed out about the awkwardness part of it is again going back to the mainstream i think a lot of people in the mainstream see that yes there are these awkward people that you're talking about and also that third tier of pleasure and i think they're correlating the two and thinking you know understand what i'm saying like there's they're they're mixing all this stuff together yes and our point is to step back and go, okay, well, wait a minute, let's talk about this. Cause yeah, we got that, we've got this, but that doesn't mean that it's across the board and it's not even necessarily those two things combined. Exactly. Yeah. But cause, cause when I, when I look at horror fans, I mostly see like just a, com- a really tight community yeah. of, of people sharing things that they love. And I, you know, and I may not love the same things, you know, that they love. Yeah. But exactly. they don't fault you for that. You're not like a pariah no, because you don't like well, this genre. Usually. Yeah. Yeah. Usually, you know, you get, everybody's cool with everything. I mean, obviously yeah. you get the haters online and everything that, you know, hate everything, but yeah. um, generally speaking, there is this sense of like, you know, we're all here to enjoy ourselves and not judge each other and just be right. But the point cool. is that yeah. you could make these same exact com- conversations about like car clubs but mainstream, the mainstream world doesn't look at people who are members of car clubs like they, the same way that they do people who are fans of horror for some reason. Absolutely, and you know, I mean, and it's and it, and I think that again, it goes back to like, you know, why why some people don't practice Halloween, and mm-hmm. you know, there is this level of like, you know, like like my, um, I just did a movie, um, we did an anthology called Satanic Hispanics that premiered at um, Fantastic <laughs> nice. Fest. I like that. Yeah. And, you know, it was a good, you know, they had a good turnout and we had, you know, good um, reviews and, you know, it's a fun movie and it's not going to change anybody's life, but it's a fun, you know, anthology. Mm -hmm. But there's, you know, like I have an aunt in Miami and she, you know, she's really, you know, Christian, like she's very into it. And I knew it was going to cause trouble because she's on Facebook, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And she couldn't help but say, hey, what's going on and why, you know what I'm saying? So like, and I think that a lot of people in that position completely shy away from horror because there is this religious kind of moral right. thing where you're like, oh, you're, you're serving Satan. Mm-hmm. You know, like Satan is, is involved in the in horror i'm sure that doesn't help no No, it doesn't help that doesn't help so i think there (laughs) there's a lot there's a lot of that also where people are just do not understand uh that um satan is not involved in making movies usually as far as we know (laughs) yeah 
Uh, let's let's wrap up a couple of the uh, adult question, adult section questions here before we get to some of the other wrap up questions. Uh, really, any really scary dreams as an adult? This the the only the the, the scary dreams that I have as an adult is like you know somebody's dead, mm-hmm. but it's not really fear anymore. It's more stress. Like I, the flight is leaving in like three hours and I haven't even packed and I even, I don't even know where the airport is. And it's all, but, and then those dreams are layered with other like psychological baggage. Like there's, there's always like an element of star Wars collecting. (laughs) I I have this huge star Wars collection. I will say, I uh, full disclosure, I took a peek at your Facebook profile before the, uh, the, the show. And that, that is an impressive collection, sir. Yeah, no, and I, and I and honestly, like, I haven't even, sh- I don't really show it off too much because I'm afraid that somebody's going to rob me, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but but it's it's like, getting, it's gotten to the point now where, like, it's become sort of a liability to me. Like, I've stopped buying, you know, so much Star Wars stuff, and I'm, like, trying to get rid of some of it now. Mm-hmm. So in my dream, there's always this level of, like, I'm, you know, I'm packing, I'm packing, and then I discover that that there's a closet full of Star Wars toys that I bought while I was there, and no. I'm like, oh my god, what am I going to do with these? You know, I got to find a box, and um, so the, there's always like this, you know. So that, that's, you know, I'm I'm lucky because that's kind of where um, I don't have like super terrifying um dreams anymore yeah the adult scary dreams are more like the occupational stress thing like oh my god did i leave the stove on did i forget this did i did i not show up in time for this yeah has anything actually terrified you in real life as an adult when i was editing blair witch that kind of when i was had to fly out of the editing room and then the other time i felt that this blair witch related was we were at the house that we you know we shot the last scene in this is before we shoot, we, we were shooting, but it was like around the same time because I remember a lot of people being there and we were just there kind of scouting. And, um, I was left alone in that basement by myself and I didn't, <laughs> I didn't realize it. You know, I was like kind of just, you know, looking around and looking at the walls and this, and it was dark, it was getting dark. So everybody was leaving. And all of a sudden I realized that I was alone in the house. <laughs> You're like, no wait, guys, <laughs> like, there's nobody. I mean, are you, always heard people upstairs or whatever and i'm like holy shit i'm alone and it was kind of tricky getting out of that house when it before we like worked on it a little bit before the production because the stairs up to the main the first floor were like there was no stairs it was all kind of tattered and then the there was a hole leading into the basement into the cellar you know where i guess the cellar door had been at one time but it was just you had to like climb over bricks and it was just really not a great place to be stuck in and i remember just flying out of there and i'm like oh i'm like wait up for me like you know everybody was like down in the woods already Mm -hmm. and then the only other time i've been truly terrified is like when i when my second kid my son was born my wife went in for an emergency Mm c-section That was really scary because I thought just the way that that the doctors were acting and the way that the nurses were like, you know, it was just like a it was like a scene from ER, like, Mm -hmm. all right, we got to move her into the operating room like immediately. Like it was like and it was kind of one of those like, well, no, you stay behind. You know, you you, we can't let you in. You know, this is an emergency situation. So like for about, I don't know, like 10 or 15 minutes there. I walked around the hospital thinking that I was going to, you know, lose my wife and my kid. And then I was, and I already had, you know, a daughter, like a little three-year-old, four-year-old daughter. So I was like 
literally like thinking of like, what am I going to do? Like, how am I going to deal with yeah, this? No, you'll be gonna... losing your child, but your daughter will be losing a mother. That's, that's some heavy shit to deal with. Yeah. So like, um, that was the most terrifying time of my adult life for sure. Yeah. With good reason. Don't really have any comments on that because there, it is so understandable. Uh, let some, some of the wrap up questions here. Now these, Next two questions are looking back over your entire life, not just any one section, and they're not just about horror. So, but I'm going to give you the the two questions at the same time because it could be the same answer for both, or it could be two different answers. But um, if you were forced to pick one favorite movie, what would it be, and what movie have you watched more times than any other? There's movie, you know, there's a lot of movies that I really love, but I feel like, you know, Star Wars, the first one, you know, A New Hope. Mm-hmm was you know definitely the most influential thing that ever happened in my life i feel and and you know and not only my life but my partner greg's life and like half the other filmmakers that i know it would completely reset everything you know what i mean Mm. so and for me it's like it's a reason that i'm a filmmaker and it's uh it's a reason why i have this life like i've you know like i owe everything to to and also just like you know, the, the, the motivation, like, and, and the, like, he just, the inspiration mm-hmm. of Star Wars, you know, still to this day is like, you know, there's things that I think about and, you know, like the original script and, you know, just the concepts. Like the other day I was thinking about like, you know, as I was going to sleep, like just uh, X, like why are X-Wing fighters so damn cool? It's groundbreaking. It, just, it, was, it was revolutionary. It was like almost yep. like, from, it was like a different, it was like the iPhone, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Star Wars, the iPhone of films. I like it. Yeah, it was I like, it was like, yeah. you know, it just, you know, and everything changed after that, man. You know what I mean? And, and, and not only like in the business, but like, you know, for people, for kids like me who are suddenly like wanting to be filmmakers or at least getting interested in it. Um, so I think that one has to be the one that, is the most influential to me. And then the movie that I've seen the most is either Grease or Airplane. Okay. Because we had, um, when VHS came out in Betamax, it was really expensive. Like those mm-hmm. VCRs were like $2,000 when they first came out. And then yeah. this back in the 80s money, the, the more affordable you know, way to watch movies was this thing called video discs. And it was basically like a record, <laughs> but the machine was $300. So my dad could afford it. And it, again, this was all, like all my dad wanting to watch movies at home. And we basically had to, you could rent the movies, but we just, you know, the movies were like 20 bucks. So it was pretty affordable. Yeah. So we just bought, you know, I, I, Star Wars wasn't available. I obviously would have bought it, but you know, we bought, you know, airplane and Greece and Tron and like, you know, all these movies that were available on video disc. And by far, Airplane and Greece, like there was a, probably a summer there where we watched Greece every single day. Nice. And then Airplane was like my dad's favorite, so we would watch it repeatedly. Um, but I guess it have to be those two films, man. I can understand how Airplane can underscore your love of uh, comedy and humor. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. What what is Grease in form in your life? <laughs> Grease was like it was just a fun movie, man. I, I mean, first of all, my 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 older sister loved it, mm-hmm. and you know, Olivia Newton John was so freaking hot. 
the the you know the music was fun like my sister had the soundtrack i mean it was a whole you had to kind of be in the kind of had to be around like when like how huge greece was as a movie and then you know john travolta as a star and all the songs and like the uh it was just like you would sing the songs like you know we still sing the songs like it's like this use the iphone analogy for star wars i would say greece was the lion king of its time Hmm. yes okay yeah Yeah. people love that movie there's a reason for that i mean it really it was you know it was like this like musicals weren't really a thing Uh uh-huh i was just about to say like you know greece was a big thing and there were musicals before greece but yeah it really did bring musicals to the forefront of everything because everyone loved it was and i've never thought of it this way but greece really was you know it's a series of music videos of these songs that you know we we loved as kids and we still love i still some of those songs are freaking great and and i think it, and it, it, it was just fun to see people performing it was fun to see a little movie based on a on a song and i think once you know shortly thereafter mtv premiered and i think that was the beauty of mtv and the music videos was like oh that's fucking cool man we never this is cool i've never seen you know bruce springsteen sing his song like this or act like you know whatever you know what i'm saying it was like these or michael jackson like you know just it was just so much you know that that was part of the excitement i think greece paved the way because in 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 uh, in theory you know there are the there are there are these little music videos in in the movie you know i mean the, the musical numbers you know are little music videos you know yeah and the reason that i brought up lion king is because not only that but it's also the cross-cultural appeal in that you know you would have for example with the lion king you would have people who were not fans of disney musicals singing you know can you feel the love tonight that normally would not have any interest in that song whatsoever and it's kind of the same thing with greece as there were people who were enjoying that stuff who were not fans of musicals exactly exactly yeah yeah and and, you know and i and i even as a kid i I loved west side story and you know it's one of my favorite movies as well um so there were you're right there were musicals but that you know that was just kind of, um, I mean, I, I, you know, I like all kinds. I, I think that mostly for me, um, I feel like the supernatural is more fun. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's more uh, unpredictable, even though humans are really unpredictable and, you know, have like these serial killer movies that are like, you know, pe- you know, just a deranged mind is, is also unpredictable. And there's something really scary about that. But I like the idea of, you know, I like horror movies that, you know, give me enough of an explanation, but I also like the idea of like, no, nah, man, it's just like this kind of crazy, you know, supernatural stuff is sometimes happens at random and there's no, there's no human explanation for what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's almost like there's that, uh, a dichotomy or duality, if you will, of just people constantly looking for the answer, but also being entertained by the lack of an answer. So you kind of like in this perpetual motion machine of, of entertainment and, and wanting. Yeah. And and the mystery and also like, you know, again, like what, you know, Blair, Witch proved what the audience can come up with in their head, you know, visually or like just motivationally, like what the, why is this demon or whatever doing this Mm -hmm. is much scarier than anything else. Oh yeah. anything we could show you and i think you know that's why i think you know horror novels are so you know effective is that you're basically working in your own brain yeah so Mm -hmm. so when you when they describe a creature and it's creepy you're gonna 
you're going to think of a creepy thing in your mind, you know, that might be creepy to you, but not might not be creepy to somebody else. So the right. idea of like keeping it hidden is just a good tool. You know, it's just a good tool right. to kind of keep the audience engaged and, you know, work their imaginations t- to your advantage. Mm-hmm. So this conversation has kind of already answered some of the questions that normally would come after this, but uh, to summarize the two things that I'm hearing coming up multiple times in, in our call here tonight is that sort of two sort of parallel trails of, of topics. One is abduction and, and abandonment fears, mm-hmm. which like you say, mentioned um, probably started with your mom's fears, but also has come up in things like your own, you know, running from fear at different points in your life, also in the basement alone, your emergency C-section was also related to potential abandonment. And then the the other parallel part of this is the supernatural, um, and which has come up a, a number of different times in not only uh, the exorcist, but potentially you could also describe this as part of the uh, Bigfoot um, and some of the other topics that we've talked about. The, the confession, I think was, was that the name of the book? The uh, communion. communion. Right. Yeah. And so, the follow-up question there would be, do you have any idea why it is that those things are important to you? And I think that's where the conversation already answered. You know, you've got your background from your mom's family and, and that kind of thing for the, the abduction and abandonment. And then the interest in the supernatural is that it relates to these unanswered questions that uh, are unanswered. And then you could even maybe narrow that down a little bit more to say that these two parallel tracks kind of refer to what I would say, what I would call concrete fears and undefined fears because the abduction and abandonment stuff, there is some part of that that's undefined because the the part that's undefined is, well, what would happen afterwards? But the concrete part of it is, you know, if you're abducted or you're abandoned, then you're not exactly what is it you're afraid of. Well, yeah, well, but you know exactly why you're not safe. Okay. Uh, Whereas the supernatural is, much more undefined in that respect. True. So before I ask the next question, I would say, as far as the, that being a summary, do you think that's a, that's accurate? Or do you think that there's maybe a better description of maybe common themes with your relationship to horror? Um, no, man, I think, I think you've nailed it. Um, the, um, I, you know, I was taught early in my life to to believe it you know to believe in the supernatural mm-hmm. and then even in you know and, and as i grew up i kind of shied away from religion which is you know shying away from the supernatural because you know religion is supernatural you know mm-hmm. but then but there's this inherent curiosity about the fact that i am a horror filmmaker is like it's you know pushed me toward examining that and 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 obviously you know when you write and you when you make films and when you make art you know you are examining yourself as well you know you're like showing that's why it's so painful sometimes you know like creating art is so painful is because you are like discovering things about yourself and and a lot of things that you know you that you know are not good you know sometimes you you find things that you don't like about yourself so I think that's, I think that's accurate, you know, and, and definitely the abandonment and just being like 
the the whole kind of um being taken away from my parents is the that's that's uh you know very found you know part of my foundation for sure of my fears yes actually before i ask the next question i want to take this moment because some of the things that we were talking about here about spirituality and and the purpose of religion i think this is a great place for me to drop a quick comment about you know there's this sort of dichotomy this this uh fight that happens a lot of times within the religious community that that they believe that science is trying to destroy religion or that you know once once science explains everything then there won't be any room for god mm-hmm. and i've always had this counter argument that i i never really get to put out there which is that god is supposed to be infinite which means that the unknown is always going to be infinite and if science explains the part that's known well that's finite Mm. by definition because you know yeah. what you know and so there's there are boundaries to that well if the unknown and god are always going to be infinite then science can never get rid of god because there's always going to be something else left over and if faith is the part that's to be to be used for the part that's unknown you know it's okay science for what we know and faith for what we don't then science will never be able to get rid of faith because there's always going to be something out there that requires it yeah but yeah. that's that's a tangent. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So last question here, why horror? Because the things that we just talked about, these abduction and abandonment and, and the supernatural and the unanswered questions, are there, are there no other genres that can address these things for you as well as horror can, or is there something special about this genre that, that gives you something? The effective thing about horror is that, there's always um, deeper meaning, at least the, the good horror movies. There's even the bad horror movies. There's always some kind of, you know, psychological or some kind of social thing that's being like pushed to the bound, you know, to the boundaries, you know, that people shy away from, you know what I mean? Like if you have a, like, like, um, you know, I did this movie called altered and I don't know if you guys watched it, but it's basically these men who are, who were abducted as, um, as teenagers by aliens and then they were all let out but they were all scarred in many different ways by this you know event and then uh, you know we pick them up i think it was 10 years later or whatever and they are actively trying to hunt down one of the beings that you know that uh, abducted them because they know where they land they know where they hunt so they capture this creature and it deals with basically um you know uh molestation you know like like if somebody you know, somebody like a, a priest or somebody in school or somebody, uh, you know, in your family had done these terrible things to you as a kid and like that traumatized you. And then 10 years later, you're able to have this person, you know, tied up in a, in a table in your room. You know what I mean? Like, what would you do? Like what? So, you know, in, in the very general sense, the, you know, the, the obvious sense, it's a, it's a movie about abduction, about alien abduction. It has nothing to do with, you know, child molestation or abandonment or anything like that but you can but the guys are going through the exact same thing mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. then people go through when with you know that uh, go through this kind of trauma and i think that's what the best thing that horror does is that the good horror is that mm-hmm. it does you know let you talk about things that in a drama would be like you know oh this movie is about these you know five guys who were you know 
sexually assaulted as yeah. teenagers and now they're getting revenge like that's a different movie than oh these guys abduct an alien and all kinds of crazy shit happens you know what i'm saying yeah. so like you can you know there's certain there certain people are not going to see that first movie you know what i'm saying but other people maybe more people will see the okay. second movie so you know you kind of disguise things yeah. and you can kind of you know and and so like there's and there's and it's really heavy trauma that you're dealing with in most horror movies you know what i mean it's not just like something simple you know the, they're like little psychological exercises you know what i mean for for mm -hmm. people and i think that's what is is uh why people kind of gravitate a lot of people gravitate toward, toward horror movies is for that reason just to kind of work through some things you know right like it, it right. sounds like that's the point you're trying to make here is like yeah you can get that from all other types of uh, genres of, of films and stuff but horror almost uh not unlike a uh shysty parent that sneaks vegetables into their children's spaghetti you sneak the message into this horror by you know having a, a cover idea of alien abduction but then underlying that it's also a lesson about things like uh trauma from molestation yes exactly exactly and that's why I've, i like like I, I do feel that like movies and media you know are influential i mean of course and i'm not saying that you know just because you see a movie about you know torturing somebody you're going to go out and torture somebody but th that that's kind of where like why i you know shy away from that kind of stuff even watching it i just don't think that there's any lessons to be learned about seeing somebody going you know being tortured you know what i'm saying like just violence for the sake of violence you know random violence like i i think yeah. that uh, and i'm not sure how many lessons there are to be learned with that so for me it's just like it's not only unpleasant but i just don't think it's very useful well other than you know torture porn and random violence the thing that i think is interesting is that you know browsing the horror communities online and things like that and seeing so many people asking for horror recommendations and they're like well i like this and i like this and i like this what else would i like and to me i always kind of chuckle to myself because i think that's the wrong question to ask i think their question to ask is what are you afraid of mm -hmm. because that might be a better key into mm -hmm. understanding what movies you might enjoy yeah, yeah that's true but to tie it back to something you said earlier about rom-coms, how rom-coms even have a certain level of tension and release, you know, the, the answer, I think, to the question of why horror, for you at least, is because of, it's a question of how deep do you want to take it? Yeah. The fear, I mean. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, I, and, and, uh, but and also for me, you know, horror has a, you know, it, it, it literally was my first hit film was a horror movie, so... Hmm. That too. That's kind of where I'm at. You know what I'm saying? A little bit of bias. Yeah. There was a certain point in my career, and you know, when I went to film school, that I really got into like Spike Lee um, and uh, like John Sayles, like more kind of um, social, you know, socially conscious kind. I, I love do the right thing, pushing those kinds of buttons as well. But I love the idea that that you can still, I can still do that in a, in a like you were saying. I can still sneak in the vegetables in horror movies. Mm -hmm. And I think that it, you reach a wider audience and it's and also, also probably more effective than like, you know, the kind of the obvious, like, this is good, this is bad. You know what I'm saying? Like the yeah. kind of the obvious showing of, uh, you know, uh, you know, dramas that deal with certain topics, you know, like, to, like that, you know, uh, important topics, social, you know, important topics. I think that there's... Um, like I, I, I never imagined that I would be a horror filmmaker when I was like, you know, going to film school and stuff. But 
it, I, I do feel very fortunate that I ended up in this space. Mm. So real last question, is there anything that you've thought of during this interview, for example, that might be relevant, but hasn't come up? Maybe, you know, you thought of something and then we didn't talk about it. Um, no, man, you guys have definitely, uh, you know, you guys have definitely made me dig down and just, you know, there's a lot of things that, that, um, I had never really kind of connected, um, because, you know, it's like horror is, is my job and it's very rare where you like think of your job as like your therapy, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Uh, right. Yeah. And you guys definitely, you know, have, it's just very interesting. You guys, that's kind of what you do. And I think that it's very, um, you know, it's something that I need to kind of sit back and think about for the next couple of days, kind of the, the connection <laughs> that I've made here. And also my, I mean, really for me, it's like that, that, um, that horror is important, is, is important in my life. It is like, it, it's, you know, I feel like, uh, I, 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 like I went to fantastic fest a couple of months ago or last month to premiere the movie. And I kind of feel envious of like the real horror geeks that like can sit through like five moves, five horror movies. Like I can't do that. Like I, it trauma, the horror movies traumatized me too much to be able to like sit through a bunch of them. You know what I mean? Like that's, they a, wear that's me a good out, thing. Man. It means you're still more human. This, this, yeah. This. They wear, they wear me out. <laughs> you know, like I really do, um, take, you know, most, if a horror mill movie is trying to make me feel like take something serious, I do. I go along with that, you know, usually. Unless oh, yeah. they, I mean, yeah, that's another way of looking at it. That means that, uh, it's, it's that much more effective. Yeah. Yeah. So, but you know, so, so, you know, it is kind of, um, you, you guys have definitely reminded me how important, you know, this genre is to me, you know, how perfectly aligned I am, you know, with being a horror filmmaker, you know, like there's a, a lot of shit to deal with still. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta put in my films, you know? <laughs> well, we're glad, uh, we're glad we were able to get you to do some thinking. Yeah, man. Appreciate it. No problem. Thank you. And thank you to anybody out there listening. Again, please do come visit us at horrormakesishappy.com. Um, I'll keep this one short and just say, if you like what we're doing, tell somebody. <laughs>